0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the San Francisco Giants 4, your Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And, man, home openers are fun, but, boy, losing games like that, not as much fun. For some reason, home openers... It seems like every time Cleveland packs the stadium, right, they get a sellout crowd in that stadium. Game never goes the way we want it to go. Just it's for some reason the electricity in that place. It was a great environment last night. The crowd was electric. Tom Hanks got everybody pumped up with his antics with Wilson and the opening pitch. And when the game actually starts, it's just not there. And I've seen it before in other seasons. I mean, it's hard to quantify. I don't have the attendance numbers that I can match with the record numbers, but I remember there'd be a couple of series in like an August where you're feeling like maybe we have a chance of taking first place, and we've got a AL Central team in town, and so they pack the house for the weekend, and we go one and two in the series. So that was kind of the energy last night. Everybody was there, and but then we were also facing Carlos Rondon, the guy who no-hit us last year in April to start the season, and it Went about as well as you'd expect. Rodon, Rodon is a really, really good pitcher, and he's a pitcher that has really come into his own over the last two seasons. And unfortunately, uh, man, Cleveland in April, Rodon just he is on his game. Looking back uh, at last season, so Rodon did no hit us last year, but we faced him two other times. Uh, on the season, both all, both all of them were early in the season, April and May games. For some reason, we never faced the guy after May. But uh, the first game, he throws the no-hitter. That was on the 14th. Uh, seven strikeouts. Uh, then next time, we face him like a week later on the 20th. And this time, we do a little bit better. We limit him to five innings. Three hits, two runs, one earned, a home run, five walks we drew from him. We still struck out eight times. Then we come and face him at the end of May, May 31st. This time we really beat up on him. Six innings pitch, nine hits, five earned runs, three home runs in that game, a walk. He still struck us out eight times. So this guy is going to strike out a lot of Cleveland hitters. Apparently that's his thing. So we get into this game, and he is just absolutely locked in. I mean, it's the top storyline of the game. Rodon and just dominating Cleveland hitting. Uh, he goes seven innings, two hits, one earned run allowed, two walks, nine strikeouts. He did hit a batter on 90 pitches, so he goes pretty deep into this game. He's hard hit only six times. Now, pair that to the other side, who who is battling against him. He goes five and a third, gives up seven hits, two earned runs, so he limits the damage, surprisingly. One walk, four strikeouts. He gives up two solo home runs on 81 pitches, but he is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. I mean, there were a couple that Plesek, on uh, the wind must have knocked him down. Jock Peterson's first uh inning at bat, he hit one way deep out to center field that was caught a step or so in front of the wall. Uh, before he would hit his home run later in the game, so Plesek was really getting hit around hard. Meanwhile, Rodan was dominating with those strikeouts so let's go over to the we got a lot of things to look at here we go over to the csw numbers here the player breakdowns and what was working for rodan he was getting called strikes especially with that forcing fastball he threw it 58 times it maxed out at 99.3 miles per hour averaged 96.9 so this is one heck of a fastball here on 27 swings only four whiffs okay That's not terrible. But they took 17 called strikes, including a couple of guys that struck out looking on that fastball. So it's good for a 36% CSW on the fastball. He got a lot more swing and miss on the slider. The slider, he got eight swings, five whiffs on that slider. It's a 63% swing and miss percentage on that slider. His overall CSW on the day was 34%. Uh, Pair that to Plisak on the other side. Plisak did hold his own with his fastball, 29% CSW, 33% on his changeup, 47% CSW on his slider. Did get some swing and miss on his slider, 8 swings, 4 whiffs. It's good for a 33% CSW total on the day. So that was sort of the battle back and forth there. Going over to the Illustrator and taking a look at some of these pitches and taking a look at these called strikes. And man, he was just pounding the zone with that fastball. I mean, the Guardians hitters really have no excuse. A ton of these are in the zone. Now, there is a cluster of three of them that are off the plate at the same height, right right uh, below the letters, off the plate to the left-handed batter's box. So for Rodon, that would be the arm side. And he was getting the call there. He's got three called strikes all clustered in the same spot there. Uh, one of them was the Miles Straw. One of them was to the Austin Hedges. And one of them was the strikeout of Oscar Mercado, which is like a full baseball off the plate. I mean, that one, Mercado Mercado has an argument there. He strikes out looking in the sixth inning on a pitch that was, eh, that was outside. That should not have been called. But for the most part, he is pounding the zone. Now, taking a look at where those swinging strikes are, those swinging strikes... There are two fastballs that were chased high. Uh, One uh, strikes out Austin Hedges. One strikes out Miles Straw. But the rest were the sliders down. All that swing and miss on the slider, they're all sliders. One of them is off the plate to Owen Miller inside. The others are all down below the zone. So that slider fastball working in the zone, slider then falling out of the bottom of the zone for O'Don. Now where were all those strikeouts located? Let's take a look at those strikeouts. A ton of them were on fastballs. Only one strikeout, Josh Naylor's, came on that slider. The rest were on fastballs, and then one curveball, actually. He got Owen Miller uh, looking on a big curveball at the top of the zone that locks up Owen Miller. uh, That was in the fifth inning. And then the rest were on fastballs. So that is kind of what Rodon was doing against us yesterday. That was kind of the pitch mix from him I thought it was interesting I was going through some of these things I was trying to find uh the amount of fly balls given up it felt like the Giants hitters were hitting way more fly balls than the Guardians hitters did uh especially with some of those hard hit balls but it turns out not actually the case the numbers between Rodon and Plisak are pretty similar here um Plisak gives up 26.3% line drives Rodan gives up 23.1% line drives, 30.8% ground balls for Rodan, 31.6% ground balls for Plisac, 42.1% fly balls for Plisac, and 46.2% fly balls for Rodan. So the ground ball to fly ball ratio is actually pretty similar between the two pitchers. Rodan at 0.67 ground ball to fly ball ratio, and Plisac at 0.75. So uh, that actually surprised me. It felt like the Giants hitters. We're really cranking out the fly balls. We're really hitting some deep bombs, including those home runs. Uh, not necessarily the case, though. Uh, it's just uh, they were hitting the ball a lot harder than we were. Obviously, that uh, gave up a lot more hard-hit stuff than Rodon did. So the other thing I looked at between the two pitchers was uh, the count breakdown. That's another cool chart here on Baseball Savant. And I'm telling you, Rodon was working ahead. Uh, he goes he goes one and O to six batters he actually goes it gets into a 10 count but only one batter makes it to a 20 count. So even when he goes 10 he jumps immediately back to 1 one. Uh, one hitter makes it to a 2 and0 count. for policec on the other side of things, uh, five hitters make it to a 1 and0 count, three hitters make it to a 2 and0 count. So still working ahead like if if you've ever looked at these charts here, on Baseball Savant, the count breakdown—they break them into little pie charts, and then it's like spider webs out. So down the left side would be the O1 count, O2 count, one and two count, all the ways so you get to a full count at the bottom, and it makes sort of a oval shape. And then along the right side would be the one O counts, the two O counts, the three O counts, the three one until you get back to three two. A lot of Rodon stuff goes down the left side: the O1 counts, the O2 counts. Working ahead a lot. Plisak does, his looks just a little more balanced between the left side and the right side here. So a little bit more in the 1 0 and 2 0 counts, not necessarily as ahead as Rodon was all night. And the Cleveland pitcher that you want to say was most ahead in the count was definitely Anthony Ghost. Ghost never goes 1 0 or 2 0 or 3 0 on any hitters, he is staying ahead of every hitter he faced. Uh, so that's a good sign from Ghost out of the bullpen. So those were the things I noticed in pitching last night. I hope that explains a little bit of why Rodon was able to dominate uh, Cleveland hitting as well as he did, working ahead, getting called strikes on the fastball, um, really punishing uh, some of the Guardians hitters, racking up those strikeouts. Uh, Who was the victimized the most? Straw strikes out twice. Ahmed Rosario strikes out twice. Uh, and then everybody except Jose Ramirez struck out at least once, even the folk hero, the legend, Stephen Kwan. He goes on a foul tip, foul tip to high fastball. Um, Even he looks shocked uh, on that one. So it's a tough day at the plate for the Guardians. Um, One of the things, I don't know why Josh Naylor, I, I know why Josh Naylor was in the lineup. It was more of a PR move than it was... Uh, a baseball decision. I just think that, you know, there's no reason to put Josh Naylor out there. He's a left handed hitter against a really, really tough lefty. If you go back and look at the splits for Josh Naylor last season, uh, you know, obviously it's a shortened season because of the injury, but in 90 plate appearances against left handed pitching, he has a 193 average a 512 OPS. Not good against right handed hitting. 160 plate appearances. He's has a 287 average, an 804 OPS. I say that's a pretty pretty solid case for some platoon splits there. But they put him out there against a tough lefty because it's his first game back from injury. I I get it. Like I get you want the team to rally around Josh Naylor. You want him to be a focal point of this team, but I would have rather had another right handed bat in that lineup. Would it have made a difference the way he was pitching? No. Dominant. So what happens in this game? Well, Pleaseac gives up it was all home runs for the San Francisco, actually. Uh, he gives up a solo home run to Brandon Crawford in the second inning, a big bomb. Definitely misses his location on this one. If you uh if you go back and watch the highlight on this one, let me see if I can actually pull up the uh the pitch chart and see where this pitch was located. Uh but he absolutely destroys one to lead off the second inning. So he starts him with a four-seam fastball away, misses away. Remember, there's a left-handed hitter here. Comes back on the plate, throws him another four-seam fastball on the outside edge and gets a swinging strike on that one. All right, pretty good. So throws him a changeup away, trying to stay away from Brandon Crawford, misses away with it. Goes to throw another changeup and I can tell you that Austin Hedges was set up away. And where does this pitch end up? middle in at the belt in that is Brandon Crawford's nitro zone apparently and he absolutely destroys this thing 103.6 miles per hour 396 to the seats in right field so that was Crawford's home run Jock Peterson would come up later and he have a home run of his own Peterson had a good day felt like Peterson was having a little bit of a uh, a revenge game the, the, you know, you should have paid me the money. You should have signed me kind of game. And kind of punishing the Guardians pitching because of that. So he comes up later in the game. This is in the sixth inning here. Uh, and Plesak tries to attack him all with fastballs. Another left-handed hitter. So he misses with a fastball on the outside edge. He misses with a fastball below the knees. Comes back with another fastball right down the middle. Right down the pipe. And Peterson does not mess around with this one. 106.1 miles per hour out to center field, 410 feet. And one hops the fans out there in center field and ends up in the bullpen. Monster home run from Jack Peterson, who's hitting in the cleanup spot for San Francisco. Could have been hitting in the cleanup spot for Cleveland, but nope. He's out there for San Francisco and hitting 375 with a 1.194 OPS to start the season, had three hard hit balls, Two hits, three hard hit balls yesterday against us. Then uh, the bullpen comes in to do a little work, and Castro is in there in the eighth inning. It looks like he's doing okay, but ends up letting a slider hang right down the pipe. And uh, Joey Bart is able to hit a two-run home run off the railings over the big wall in left field on that one. I actually thought Castro was doing okay. I I liked where he was locating his pitches. I thought he was doing all right. He got a strikeout. Um, But he ends up leaving a slider. I mean, right down the pipe. And it absolutely gets destroyed for a home run. Uh, by Joey Bart. I mean, I literally, I could go to the illustrator here and drag my mouse. I don't even know, need to know which pitch it was. I could instantly find it on his pitch chart because it's the slider that's sitting right down the middle of the plate. So uh, Castro went mostly with sliders uh, yesterday. He only threw two fastballs. Interesting to see him in there in the eighth inning, but they had already used Shaw. They had already used Ghost and Steffen. Uh, really, the only two late-inning pitchers left were uh, Sandlin and Classe. And I guess when we're down, when we don't have the lead, he didn't feel like going to those guys. So he gets Castro in there. And like I said, I thought Castro was being aggressive with a slider. I liked everything until he left one in the middle of the plate. So that's how it goes uh, for San Francisco. The Guardians are able to put up a little bit of a rally in the seventh inning. Right, Jose Ramirez leads things off of the walk. The only other base runner before that, uh, Owen Miller did have a double that turned into nothing earlier in the game. And Kwan gets hit by a pitch. And yeah, I mean, it was pretty limited for base runners for Cleveland on the entire night. But Jose Ramirez has a chance to start a rally here. And uh, with that walk, and for Miel Reyes, a great at-bat from Miel Reyes. And he shoots a high fastball into right field. A fantastic swing from Reyes. Reyes was battling. It was a 3-2 count. Uh, Ahmed Rosario would strike out after that. I think he would also work the 3-2 count, and that's when he took the strikeout looking. And then Owen Miller would deliver a sack fly. So Miller does come up big offensively in this one. Really, him and Jose Ramirez are the only bright spots offensively in this game. So the sack fly, he puts a decent swing on it, gets a sack fly out of right field, gets the job done gets Jose Ramirez home from third base. That was good to see. I mean, at least they didn't strand Jose Ramirez out there. Jose Ramirez would get a double later in the game, another one of his good hustle doubles by uh, blooping one towards the left field line. It would be his 1,000th hit of his career, which is pretty cool. It puts him at 39th place all-time in Cleveland history. And you can easily see... Uh he had been in 30 well he had been in 39th place. He's continues to stay in 39th place. The person ahead of him is Joe Vosmek, who I, I don't remember Joe Vosmek, uh, who's at a thousand and three. Uh so he's going to pass him very shortly. And then Albert Bell at 1014 is coming up. And Buddy Bell. Two bells he has a chance to pass uh coming up here in the next few weeks. If he averages, looking at his career, you know around 140 hits a season, 140, 150 for the next few years, by the end of this season, you could see him in the low 20s, in the Carlos Bayerga, Jason Kipnis territory, Brooke Jacoby in that territory. Actually, it's a big jump jump between Kipnis to Brooke Jacoby. Kipnis was at uh, 1,120, Jacoby was at 1,178, tied with Jack Graney. So, yeah, you could see him in that Bayerga-Kipnis area by the end of the season, adding another hundred and so hits to the season. Then, I mean, really soon, you'd see him up in the mid-teens, the low-teens with Tommy and Julio Franco. And, yeah, by the end of his career, now, in, some of these guys, it starts to really climb uh, to get up to the top five. He's got to get up to 1,700 hits. Uh Top three, he's got to get 1,900 hits. Earl Avril at 1,903. Trish Speaker is number two at 1,965. And Nap Lajewe is the franchise leader in hits at 2,047. So, right now, Jose Ramirez is at 1,000 hits. Could he do it? Could he get to 2,000? Boy, it'd be a climb. It'd be a climb over the next few seasons to add another 1,000 hits to his career. But it's really cool, and we'll see where I'm guessing by the end of his career, he could probably make it into the top 10. He, In fact, easily he can make it into the top 10. Uh, maybe even before this contract is up. And then we'll see, obviously, how long he plays after this contract. So uh, n- something good for Jose Ramirez on the day they officially announced the big contract, right? It's all done. He gets his 1,000th hit. So, that, I mean, that's what's your bone bright spots offensively for the Guardians on the day. All right, so unfortunately, that's all my thoughts on this one. I mean, it was a bit of a stinker, right? As far as home openers go, it was a bit of a stinker out there. Uh, The bullpen fought to keep him in the game. The bullpen actually did okay. I mean, let's take nothing away from Cleveland's pitching on the day. Trevor Steffen uh, is able to go through two-thirds of an inning. Anthony Ghosh gets through two-thirds of an inning with two strikeouts. Shaw comes in and cleans up that inning. He does walk somebody. I believe to load the bases, but he's able to get out of that inning. Uh, Castro unfortunately gives up the two home, two run home run. Henches gets him out of that inning, and then Connor Pilkington survives the ninth inning. Hey, Connor Pilkington, first appearance as a Cleveland Guardian. He now has a little bit of major league experience under his belt. Uh, MVP for the day. Oof, I mean, I can't give it to anybody on offense. It was a it was a slug of a day on offense. Um, I'm going to go to the bullpen. And for bullpen guys, it's hard to earn MVP for the day, right? Unless you're like Klaas and you come in and save a really tight game. Not many middle relievers are going to get MVP for the day. I thought Anthony Ghost pitched pretty good. Like I said, he was working ahead in a lot of those uh, at-bats. What was his CSW numbers on the day? Uh, 33% on his fastball, 50% on ...on that slider. Three swings, three whiffs on that slider. Uh, He does eventually give up a walk, but they're able, like I said, Shaw's able to come in and get him out of the inning. So I thought Goche pitched pretty good in relief. I really like that stuff coming from him out of the bullpen. So I'm going to give him MVP out of the day for a day when there wasn't a lot of MVP-type play uh, from the Guardians. So we'll run it back today with the Giants, a 6 o'clock game. We'll see how we fare. We've got Quantrill on the mound, who frankly, I think, is the number two starter on this team. I don't know why Plisak is getting that spot. I think Plisak is struggling a little bit to start the season. I mean, hard hit that many times. Eh, something, Something's... He's got to work through some things. So Quantrill's on the mound. He goes against Di Scafani. Uh, Di Scafani is a right-handed pitcher, so it'll be interesting to see Now he can put Josh Naylor at first base against the righty, the left-handed hitter against the righty. Normally, I would say Andres Jimenez would get the start at second base, but he's not going to take Owen Miller, his most productive player, out of the lineup. So what's going to happen? Is this going to be one of those games where Ahmed Rosario gets a little time out in left field and Quan moves over to right field, gets the lefty uh, Andres Jimenez in there at shortstop? It'll be interesting to see what this lineup looks like today. My guess is Owen Miller stays in the lineup. My guess is Owen Miller might have carved out a permanent spot for himself in the lineup, whether it's at second base or first base. As long as as he stays this hot. I mean, you got a guy hitting 522 on the season. I don't think you can really take him out of the lineup at this point. So we'll see what lineup card Terry Francona turns in to face the righty Di Scafani. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Giants 4, the Guardians 1. We'll be back tomorrow to see how Quantrill does, to see what lineup the Guardians run out there on the field and if they can bring a little more thunder and bring that offense back. You can follow me on Twitter at David Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.